The unfortunate reality is if you don't engineer your social circles, you will just get the net average of the social circle that you exist within. And it will tend to correlate to the hierarchical position that you fit within. So you have those social scenes where it's like the one cooler guy has a girlfriend and the other guys just hang around and then uh, that's about it until, until they gradually get picked off by women that can't take it anymore and want to have babies. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. As I travel the world, meeting all sorts of different people and, in, and throwing myself into a vast array of social and lifestyle and sexual scenes, I've come to realize that this is the time. This is a fucking magnificent time. It may be the end times as well, so we should really enjoy it. What do you think? Are you guys, where are you guys on the apocalypse meter? How long do you give us? 30 years, century maybe? Yeah, what about science? Won't science save us? We'll see. I'm gonna get my kicks. So, although it is an amazing time, there are also all sorts of places where it fucking sucks, just like all periods in history. But I think this is a period where there are all sorts of fucking amazing scenes and lifestyles popping all over the globe. And that if you're able to navigate towards them, or even better, to be an instigator of, and uh, a pioneer of, then life is amazing, excellent. Yeah, Gareth would tell me, don't say very excellent. So double plus excellent. Speaking of academia, who's aware of the gentleman known as Dr. Jordan Peterson? <laughs> of course, <laughs> I knew it would be a Peterson crowd. Uh, yeah, I've watched a bunch of his stuff too. He's very entertaining, very, very articulate. He's, uh, he's good in a debate, for sure. And uh, what's, his, what's one of his big things he likes to bang on about? Nah, a little bit. He, he sees us as a, as a curiosity. What was that? Dominance hierarchies. All right, that's one of his talking points, and it, and it relates to what we're doing here. I hope you understand. So I want to look at what is, what is dominance? What are true dominance hierarchies? What are the types of dominance hi hierarchies that exist out there? And how to play the game, when to play the game, and when to just fucking not play at all. The truth is that I think the, the, he has a fairly simplistic, and there's a lot of simplistic views on what dominance hierarchies are, because they're based orig on what original research? Anyone? Lobs, well, animals. Apes. Yeah, mostly from apes, right? So observing the way that apes and various other species slot into line, okay? So there's an alpha wolf or a, a top gorilla or whatever who, you know, comes in, kicks the shit out of the previous alpha, kills all his children, fucks all the chicks, and then sits there munching leaves all day, feeling like a boss. And every, <laughs> sounds all right. Uh, any, other, any other males that come in as competition, or, or if they do exist in the, in the tribal unit, are then subordinate to this alpha male, and they fit down the line, down the pecking order, and they are allocated resources in response to their rank. Is that 100% transferable to humanoids? If that was the case, what would be going on? I mean, it, would simply, it simply looks at, at human behavior as tyranny and underlings. And there are definitely a lot of different areas where that exists in place. It's institutionalized. It's sometimes legal, such as companies, the mafia. You're, now you're a made man. You prop the cap, you work your way up. Yep. The military, right? All sorts of, all sorts of official... Uh, areas where, yes, you come in as a shit kicker and you work your way up through the ranks. And what are you doing? You are working in competition with other people within your own organization, within, in, with other people that are in your own group. 
So it's intra-tribal dominance competition. So this certainly does exist, and it exists outside of uh, institutions, and it exists in social groups, for sure. But I wanna, I wanna do a bit of a breakdown of this and look at like, okay, this top-down hierarchy, is this a dominance hierarchy that you wanna be involved in? And what is the costs of trying to battle it out in that? And is there an alternative? Alternative, no, no, is there an alternative? Most of us tend to slip into a fairly limited social world based around our upbringing, the types of interests we, were, we, we had or have, the types of people that we feel like we can mix in with. So my, at the time of my 1960s nostalgia group, yeah, we were a group of five dudes who were uh, interested in stuff that most people weren't interested in and girls didn't like us very much. And yet there was a clear dominance hierarchy within these five guys. The leader of it, Dave, for some reason, all of us wanted his approval, right? So because he was kind of aloof and a bit of a dick and uh, you know, had a cool, well, his mother's house, grandmother's house was pretty cool and he had some whiskey. Um, we, the four of us were jostling for his attention. The, the best feeling you could have was to make him laugh because it was difficult, yeah? or, to, or to not be the guy that was teased on that day and to be kind of with him. It was, it was a top-down dominance hierarchy right, with one alpha. And the results, the return on investment for battling it out against your other best friends were very poor. It was simply, we wasted literally years of our teenage and early 20s uh, social input and social energy trying to impress one guy who is now a total recluse, just lives off, lives off in a farm in Australia and doesn't want to talk to anybody, doesn't like people, and never did. <laughs> you see, because most top-down dominance hierarchies that you just fall into or, or that you're allocated because of the, where you were at any given time, uh, tend to have a lot of toxic elements within them. And they have very, very rigid benchmarks of acceptance, right? So if you want to join a gang, you have to wear the sign or have the haircut or get the tattoos. And I'm not just talking about a street gang, I'm talking about these tribal groups that we exist in because we are tribal animals. We, we work best in small, interconnected, loyal groups, particularly men. If we look at any powerful group of men around the world, there's usually six to 10 of them. Maybe you don't see half of them because they're kind of shadowy, but there's, they're working in small units of men who work together, not against one another. Although often it works the other way, that these fairly rigid, humorless dominance hierarchies that only benefit really one individual are the ones that a lot of people end up in. They're not always so obvious, right? So maybe some of you are thinking, nah, okay, I don't know what he's talking about, I'm not part of that. They're not always like someone is really pushy or arrogant or punishes people in certain ways, or is really Machiavellian in playing people off against each other, although that certainly exists. It can just be a soft, soft machine of oppression, which is that if you decide that you, know, you wanna try something new, uh, maybe change your style, for example, which we see this with a bunch of our students where they come to us in workshops and we're like, that's gotta go, that's gotta go, the whole thing's gotta go. And, we'll, and then we replace it with make them dress like Gareth. No, uh, usually it's just like, okay, well, let's put you in some stuff that fits and looks right and, and maybe project some kind of archetype to women that they're like, oh yeah, that registers somewhere in my sexual arousal kind of calendar of men, and which you have to do. Otherwise you're just another generic dude in an ill-fitting polo shirt and blue jeans with black shoes. You know, you're not allowed to do that. Does anyone not know that? Blue and black clash on the collar wheel, don't do it. And then they get kicked back pushback from their friends. Oh yeah, what's, it's always the Aussie cunts. Oh, what's the problem? Fucking bit of poof there, are you? Or people like, oh, so you went and did some modeling in your, on your holiday, right? And that's, that's just a, it's a joke, it's just a joke. 
Yeah, we, that's what we do in our, in our friendship circles, how we show we love each other. Australians are notorious for this. Just ribbing and constantly, yeah, Daryl's a fucking loser, can't like. You know, he's fucking a piece of shit. And, and you know, once he brought this chick home, he hadn't had a root in a long time, brought her home, and you know what we did? We fucking put a condom over a banana, put it under his bed, so when the chick went in there, she thought she didn't like it much, and then she left. It was fucking hilarious. You know, he didn't get laid. We ruined that night for him, really ruined it. Like, it really damaged him. Yeah, that was good. It's a good joke, that one. <laughs> right, so there's all sorts of variations on that, but very commonly within rigid top-down structures, and they are, they are rigid even if it just looks like a bunch of dudes hanging out, especially the dominant male doesn't want people to step outside their station. They certainly don't want them going sideways and looking for resources elsewhere because then they lose a subordinate or suddenly their, their authority is called into question, right? If they're, if they're a bunch of dudes who stand out on a street corner or in a bar and kind of wolf whistle at girls or just like sit there going, hey, check out our tits, which we've all done at some point, which is a sad, sad place to be really, isn't it? So it's just like, yeah, imagine if, imagine if we knew her. <laughs> Let's objectify her to make ourselves feel better. It's not working. If one of the guys in that group goes, oh, well, fuck this, I'm gonna go over and go, hi, um, what's your name? Then either the, the group has a choice to start reassessing their entire lives and go, fuck, is it, what? You mean, you, that doesn't make any sense? Especially not because this guy who's the toughest and coolest of our crew has never done that before. It's like in you know 2001 and the monkey works out tools. And it's like, oh, yeah, now I'm, now I'm the king. So very commonly in these kinds of social structures, there is very little mobility and it's designed that way. They don't want you to grow. They want you to stay as a useful idiot on whatever level that is. Okay, so the first point I wanna make is, is this dominance hierarchy idea that you need to battle it out against your peers is a shitty one. They have, it exists in many, many places and you can choose not to play the game. I am not involved in a single dominance hierarchy like that. I was at points in my life, I nearly joined the military where I would have sacrificed my entire life to that, uh, except of course they didn't let me in because I'm me. Um, but since, since those early times, I've made it, I've, I've really isolated and, and understood, okay, these types of relationships that particularly happen between men who are close and recognize that many of them are toxic or codependent uh, or belittling to one, one of the parties and I've decided not to engage with that. I've stepped out of a whole range of social circles and gone, fuck that, I'd rather be alone and be a bit of a maverick starting to navigate the world to figure out where my people are. And for me, it wasn't in one place. I couldn't really find enough weirdos in one city to create my crew, so I had to import them all over to Budapest. Has everyone noticed there's a lot of Australians and like, where did all these people come from? How do, why are they living in Budapest? Because I need them here. I need my crew and they need me. And I've had to go around the world poaching excellent, excellent weirdos over the years to build the type of tribe that works for my purposes. Is anyone here sitting going, ah, oh, thinking about your friendships, thinking about the groups that you brought, were brought up with? Anyone? Like, or are most people like, yeah, I, yeah, okay. Who, 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 who here now perceives that just from what we've said so far, and there's more coming, that you may need to reassess your social world. Good, you should. I reassess my social world regularly. I check in on it. It's not that I'm like ruthlessly like, this person is of no use to me now, out. Uh, 
<laughs> looked like I'd practiced that too much, isn't it? Um, no, it's more that, okay, cool, what kind of people do I want to bring into my social world? Is, it, is, is this partnership in terms of these collaborations still relevant or do we need to let each other go off on our own tangents? Right? Because I'm planning all of this all the time. I'm not doing it in a Machiavellian way where I'm simply thinking of people as utilities, but I'm certainly looking at them as partners, as tribal members. What is it that we can get from each other? What can we combine our forces to achieve that we can't achieve alone? Because the unfortunate thing is that without a strategy, without high levels of charm and confidence and a seductive ability, or without, let's say, some form of, uh, some form of, in, what's the thing when you're born rich? <laughs> privilege. Without some, without some kind of inherent privilege that gets you ahead of the, the curve, the brutal reality is that you, as dudes, you're a bunch of dudes, of all quality of dude, are more or less useless to a high value social circle. That's the way they perceive you. Okay, so if you want to look at, okay, what is, it, what is the reality of most men's social world? They have one social circle, and then they have several outlier friends. That's pretty much it, right? They have the group that they went to high school with, uni with, or they go cycling with, or whatever is the thing that drew them together. That's their core group. And then maybe they have a few random friends of guys or girls that they met through that thing, or they really click with this person, and that's it. Who, who here would admit that that is more or less their social world, okay? And, it's, and of course, that's, that's the common thing because it makes sense. When you've stayed in your lane, when you've been apportioned a social circle due to what it is that you do and think and where you are, then that's what happens. And would you say that this group is usually homogeneous, homogeneous or heterogeneous? Full of similar people or full of an X-Men team of bizarre and contrasting characters? Mostly pretty similar. Why? Because you all studied the thing, because you're all from the same town, the same income bracket or class or whatever else that tends to allocate people into similar brackets. You may have a whole bunch of different personality traits, but very likely you'll be similar in, in terms of your utility, the things you know, the people you know, the networks you have, the resources you have. What's the problem with that? Anyone? Yeah, it, it doesn't really allow for so much growth because you, you, you can't benefit from each other from each other's skills. Right, from each other's personality types. Doesn't mean that you won't benefit from each other as people or as support units if it's a, it can be a good group of guys who, uh, I've, I've trained with a lot of poker players who travel around the world in pods of poker players. And they all play the same game. They all have this really weird type of brain that's able to like run 16 screens of playing of 400 people at once uh, with their adrenaline spiking every two seconds. Um, and most of them are German and most of them are very, very meticulous with the way that they operate. But the, these the guys that I've worked with have been really, really good as friendship circles. They've been really tight, respectful guys who understand the floating alpha concept, which I'll get to soon. So what's the other problem with being in one of these kind of social circles? What is limited? Resources and opportunities. There is a limit to them. Who's been in a social circle where when, by some random chance, an attractive woman came into the sphere was introduced through someone or she came into the uni class or whatever, suddenly everyone's scrambling over each other and fucking each other, other, over, other over in order to try and get the one hot girl. Yeah, or if someone, by some chance, gets a cute girlfriend, he has to be on the lookout because everyone else is like jostling to get her attention. And if they break up, which they will, uh, then probably one of his friends will try and fuck her, which will lead to what? <laughs> Violence, 
<laughs> yes, drama. <laughs> but this is, the, this is the nature of limitations and resources. Today, none of us have limitations on water and food and having a house overhead, more or less. Okay, so our basic survival needs that were the thing that we spent all of our group and our group energy working on through previous generations, that's all solved. So it goes up higher into the hierarchy of needs and we have this, that the, that the limitation on resources in for the modern male, particularly in the West, is to do with access to coveted, attractive, high value women, access to physical resources through financial uh, advantages, but more importantly than that is what does that give you? It gives you leverage, right? Just being rich just gets you shiny things that are a bit better than other people's shiny things. Uh, the point of wealth, as I said yesterday, for me, is to create leverage, to create freedom. That's all I give a shit about. Yeah, okay, like sometimes I buy nice things, nicer things. I buy old swords. That's definitely my, th I do blow a lot of money on ancient Chinese swords. That's, that's my <laughs> one vice. But aside from that, I look at money as leverage. Right, so if you don't have, if your social world is limited in its actual capital or its social capital, and by social capital, if you don't know what that means, it means the, if I walk into a place, do, do people want to be around me? You know, can, I, can I navigate through different social scenes? Can I arrive in New York and end up at the best, coolest, uh, most underground something? Or am I just another dude on dick on the dance floor? Don't want to be that anymore, do we? Too many dicks on the dance floor. Too many dicks. The unfortunate reality is if you don't engineer your social circles, you will just get the net average of the social circle that you exist within. And it will tend to correlate to the hierarchical position that you fit within. So you have those social scenes where it's like the one cooler guy has a girlfriend and the other guys just hang around and then uh, that's about it until, until they gradually get picked off by women that can't take it anymore and want to have babies. Anyone relate to that? seeing their friends just getting knocked off gradually as they're entering their 30s. Where, where, like I've, I've had conversations with men where they're like, yeah, well, you know, it's like, um, you know, if you don't get one now, you're gonna be put back on the shelf. I'm like, really? Really, you're 31 and that's, you're at that point where you're like, okay, well, I've got, this is the woman that I last had sex with and she wants to have a baby and uh, all, my, all my friends are going, just do it, mate. And my, my parents or whatever, okay, there, there's my life gone. I'll just go sloth over there and, and that's it. Oh, please don't anybody do that. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural, Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The, the Natural, Natural TV. TV. See you on the next episode.